Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Episode with Larry Heller. We've got a great one today because Larry's going to talk about the dangers of owning large positions in just one stock. Larry, I know that you see this all the time. Let's talk about this. Well, let's start with which actually brought this to my attention again. So uh, last week, the Wall Street Journal ran an article about General Electric. And General Electric stock is down over 50% in the last year. That's 50%. Now, a few years back, if anyone would have thought General Electric, the stable financial company out there, well-diversified, would ever go through a period of losing 50%, people said, no way, that that can't happen. And lo and behold, it did. And in reading the article... I was surprised how many, you know, former employees had all of their money in GE stock and were lost 50%. And on top of that, the company now is having some underfunding pension issues to make it even to make it even worse. Mm. So so I thought, you know, what, let's kind of take a look and let's kind of have a fun podcast and look at why people own individual stocks and in such a large position in individual stocks and then talk about some of the stocks that are no longer, you know, no longer exist. So what, so, what are know, those reasons, Larry? I mean, what, what do you hear from clients? Why are they so passionate, for lack of a better description, about owning one stock? So a lot of clients we find have got these emotional attachments to individual stocks. They never have an emotional attachment to a mutual fund, but they do to a stock. And we've seen it many times. We've actually had a client, um, actually two sisters, who inherited uh, Pepsi stock from their parents when the parents passed away. And actually, while they were alive, the parents would be gifting a lot of Pepsi stock. And they'd be getting the dividends. And they just didn't want to diversify the stock. We actually you know, pointed out the returns of Pepsi versus a diversified portfolio. And they thought they were making a lot of money. Actually, you know, Pepsi has returned about 24 percent over the last five years. But when I pointed out to them that the S&P is up over 68 percent, doesn't sound as, you know, as good. And when their holdings of Pepsi was teetering on 50 percent of their portfolio, basically we said we've got to look at a way and come up with a game plan on how to diversify they both of them did, you know, did um, listen and we have diversified over the years. They still have a nice amount of share over the Pepsi. But again, there's no other reason to have this other than it ties them in with their parents that have owned it for years and they don't want to let, let go on that. Mm. And recently we, we just met with, a new, um, fortunately, a new widow and the same thing. They own Con Edison stock and it made up the kind of essence stock was their only equity holding. Uh, and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think it was close to a half a million dollars in Con Ed stock. 
And she was tied to it because the husband bought it and then earned it and paid dividend. And maybe Con Edison will be fine. Maybe it will outperform going forward. But, you know, why would you want to have such a large holding and a, a large position in there? And again, the same thing we pointed out to her that it's done okay. It's made 20% the last five years. Again, way underperforming the S&P 500, even though they were making money and they thought they were doing well, they weren't doing as well as the market was doing. And more importantly, they were exposed to a potential G situation. So at at this stage, why would they want to do that? Only one reason is that they're emotionally attached to it. Um, another explanation is they worked for the company. So a lot of these employees in the GE article worked for them for many, many years. So they felt a loyalty and ownership to that company and didn't want to diversify. I found it interesting, though, that the Wall Street Journal article did point out did say that one of the persons went to a so-called financial planner who told them to hold on to the stock, but they don't give a lot of details there. Hmm. So, so it's it, not all planners actually look and, and think the same the same the same way. Another you know kind of reason is this: there is some financial reasons for for this. Um, so, if you had a stock and it's appreciated and it's gone up a lot and it's in a non-qualified account. Why don't they want to sell? Well, if they sell, they got to pay income taxes. So they don't want to pay taxes. So I'm going to hold on to the stock so I can avoid paying taxes. And if they hold on to it until they pass away, then it would get in a, a, a stepped up in basis. So that's one of the reasons we hear I don't want to pay taxes or the stock is doing well. So the stock is doing well. They don't want to sell when the stock is doing well. But then when the stock goes down, we hear, you know, you're right. We're going to wait till we get back to that high oh, yeah. before yeah. they go and sell. But they, the client feels like they lost money. Even though we point out to them they've made money, it's just down from, you know, it's down from the, from the high. Now, on the flip side, we actually had somebody come in the door and their whole portfolio, close to $2 million, was in Apple stock. One stock. Of course, over the last five years, this stock has tremendously outperformed the S&P 500. And that's how come a lot of it is up to $2 million because Apple stock is up over 170% the last five years to the S&P, which is up 68%. So it does work both ways. It's just that you have a lot of risk. And this particular person who decided to keep the Apple stock is well into their 70s. Huh. So it, it, it does happen. It's it, it just you have to know that you're taking a lot of risk in this. And so between the emotional reasons and the financial reasons, that's why we see that people own large positions in one or a few stocks. Hmm. Okay. What about let, let, give me some more company examples. You've got another section here where I think is really neat where, where you, the title of this section that you're going to cover is too big and too profitable to fail. Walk us through that. Yeah. So, you know, the world changes and, you know, there, there are companies that were then the, the, the best company in that particular field. But technology changes. Service industries change. And guess what? Some of these companies that don't adapt to the changes 
are no longer in business. So I thought it was fun to go back and and kind of look at some of these companies and, and and point you know point them out. So two of them from the travel industry. How many people remember you know Pan Am Airlines? And Eastern Airlines. Pan Am was founded in 1927, and at one point was the largest international air company in the world. But in 1998, for those who remember, they were negatively impacted by the Lockerbie bombing. So Pan Am never really recovered from that, you know, from that incident, and went out went out of business. Same thing with Eastern, you know, Eastern Airlines. Eastern Airlines is also one of the biggest travel companies, I mean, airlines in the world, no longer exists. And I, I can remember when my kids were little, were very little, going to Blockbuster Video and waiting online at the end of a half an hour line just to rent the newest cartoon movie that came out. So Blockbuster Video was the it thing for many years. No longer around. How about Tower Records for those who loved records and wanted to go in? Now, records actually, I think, are making a little bit of a comeback, but obviously Tower Records is, is long gone. And then you have some big, big companies who had some oh, financial or fraudulent type of issues come up, and they were here today and gone tomorrow. MCI WorldCom. That was started as one of the you know long distance discount services. It changed its name to WorldCom in 1995, but then technology changed, and also there was a big accounting fraud in 2002, and WorldCom never recovered from that. Same with Enron. Same with Arthur Anderson. So even though these were solid companies, one or two legal or misguided financial decisions brought them all down. Polaroid, you know, the instant, you know, instant pictures, uh, another company that's no, lo- no longer here. And then a lot of retail carriers, of course, you know, with the Amazons out there, the Amazon out there has put a lot of these retail uh, companies out of business. If anyone remembers Radio Shack or Borders Bookstore or Circuit City. And most recent, one of the biggest and kind of sad for those who kind of grew up with it, Toys R Us is no longer around. And I can we can go on. Here's some other ones. Uh, Pets.com, no longer around. These are public companies, compact computers. And of course, in the financial world, who, rem- who doesn't remember Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns or one of my favorites because I love their commercials with the people listening, E.F. Hutton, all gone. So th- those are some that I thought of. I'd like to hear from anyone out there. If anyone could think of some other firms that have gone through this, you know, please feel free to send me an email at lheller at hellowealthmanagement.com or go on one of our social media platforms and, and send me a little a tweet or so just to hear some of the other companies that I haven't come up with. So for all those people out there who say, well, it can't happen to Apple and it can't happen to Facebook, or maybe it can, maybe it, can, maybe it will. And when it does, maybe it just goes down so quickly that it's too late and then you wait for it to come back and it still goes down more. So why take the risk on owning such a large percentage in one stock? Yeah, we have clients that have some stocks and a play account and try to hit grand slams, 
but it's it's a very small percentage of their portfolio because just there's just too much too much risk. Which companies will fail tomorrow? So there was a recent study done by the uh, Olin Business School. I believe that school is out in Washington, and, and they said that they think that. 40% of the S&P stocks, this was done last year, 40% of the S&P stocks will be out of business within the next 10 years. Holy Moses. 40%. So, so that, that's a, you know, that's a big, that's a big, big number. So, so actually just, I think that was done in 2014. So, so that's a, a big number. Which ones are going to be the winners? Which ones are going to be the losers? Who knows? You know, no one thought all these retail stores, Toys R Us and stores like that can go out of business. Mm-hmm. Facebook is so big, but now they're having some issues. Could they be the next one or will they survive and, and, and grow? Robots and artificial intelligence is changing the world day by day. So companies that are that are here today might not be here tomorrow. So I just wanted to... to point out and have a little fun with the, with the companies that are no longer here and get people to think about this when they sit and they look at their portfolio and, and see if they have large holdings in an individual stock. So, Larry, what do you do then if you have these large holdings? Uh, there has to be a solution. Uh, well, of course, there, 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 are, there are solutions and there are different strategies. Well, And the first thing that we, we, you know, we kind of look at is determining the percentage of the holding. We kind of rule of thumb, just guidelines, is we never want to have a individual's position be more than 5% of your net worth or be more than 10% of your equity, equity portfolios. So if you do have a greater of that, you, you want to come up with a game plan on how to how to diversify. Maybe you don't want to do it all at once because there's too many too much taxes, but come up with a strategy, come up with a game plan that we're going to reduce or pare back this over X amount of months or X amount of years and stick to the strategy no matter what happens with with that stock. There are things that you can do to minimize your taxes. You know, one of the things that we look at is specific lots. So if you want to pare down your stock position, you can look at it. If you bought that stock over different time frames, look at the stocks, look at the positions and the lots that have the highest cost positions and sell those first. That will lower your taxes rather than either doing it on, on an average position or doing the ones that have the lowest cost basis. There are other solutions out there. I'm not going to go into details, but there are managed platforms where there are strategies that you can to kind of take some of these stocks and over time through some of these computer programming to have the computer programs do it for you. You, you plug in what you're comfortable with the taxes and we're able to diversify that out electronically. So it's a, it's a great way of doing one of the companies we use is a company called Parametrics. So that's, you know, kind of what some of the strategies. There's also, if you do charitable gifting, one of the things that you could do with some of these appreciated stocks, instead of giving cash, you give the stock. So now you're kind of giving the same dollar amount that you would have if giving cash, but you're able to get this stock out of your name and without having to incur taxes by selling. 
So that's another way of, of dealing with some of the high positions in a stock. And of course, there are numerous different op option strategies that you can incorporate to hedge against those over, over time. Uh, I'm not going to go into all those details, but that's another way that you can do that. So there are, there are plenty of different strategies to minimize and to reduce the risk over one, of course. You've got to give up that emotional tie to that stock and not have seller's remorse if the stock goes up more. Once you do it, you got to stick to that game plan and say, okay, I'm comfortable in making these, making these decisions. Okay, I'm sure that there are people out here who are listening who are saying, well, goodness gracious, I have large positions. Why don't you give us a summary and then... What should they do? Should they reach out to you? Take Have you take them through these different strategies that you've been talking about? Why don't you summarize and then give us a good uh, something for the, everybody to do? Yeah. So, so yes. So again, you, sh you should meet with a pro professional and not only just look at this individual stock, it has to be incorporated with your overall financial plan, your overall asset allocation, your overall time horizon, your overall tax situation. And, and try to diversify those stocks out using one of these strategies that I, that I just mentioned. And like I said, again, don't second guess once you put these strategies in place. Don't try to change them along the way because the stock has gone down or up more. Stick to those strategies, stick to what you have. And over time, you'll be able to diversify those stocks and not be emotionally tied to, to them. And finally, it's okay to pay some taxes. If you're paying taxes, that means you're making money. So it's not a bad thing to sell the stock and pay some taxes. So, you know, to, to summarize, really be aware that large positions in one stock can be a, a big downfall, a big concern, and to, to meet with somebody and to put a strategy in place to diversify your, your holdings. Well, Larry, thank you very much for this very, very important download of your knowledge that our listeners can take good action, safe action, and also the right action by meeting with somebody like you to really take a look at everything that's going on. So thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. And for everybody at Heller Wealth Management, this is Matt Halloran. Remember, if you have yet to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you click the subscribe now button below. That way, every time Larry comes out with a new podcast, it will show up directly on your listening device. This was episode of The Dangers of Owning Large Positions in Just One Stock. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon.